Welcome back to another episode of This Week on Channel 9. I'm your host, Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate. And yes, uh, I'm in a new location this week because my office, which has been a disaster, is finally getting redone. I'm awaiting installers to come do some stuff with my desk. So I'm in my closet. So that's where I am right now. And um, like what other trillion dollar company would let you see the real stuff, which is the closets of their employees overpriced downtown apartments. So here we are. Also, shirt this week is supreme. It's also fitting because it's a captcha. And I think that we can all tech nerds appreciate that. So that's that's that. Well, enough of all this preamble. Let's get into this week's latest dev news. And we've got so much stuff. So Microsoft Ignite uh, was this week. And we had so many amazing sessions, some of the amazing announcements, interviews, new launches, exciting stuff about the future. One of the things I'm really excited about is the fact that OpenAI's GPT-3 is now going to be available exclusively on Azure. That's really great. In the show notes in the description down below, I've got links to the myignite.microsoft.com page where you can catch up on all the sessions on demand. You can also download resources. We've got them in like a nice like Word file so you can get access to keynotes and transcripts and videos and all that stuff. So check that out. I also wanted to point out that in addition to being able to get the stuff on demand, if you just kind of want a high level view of all the news that it was announced, and there's so much, uh, I've got a link in the show notes in the description for the book of news for Microsoft Ignite. And actually side note, weird off script tangent, if any of you would be interested in us doing like maybe a, a 15 minute recap of our big shows that we do. Uh, let me know in the comments down below because that's something that maybe we could do and I could bring that out up with the powers that be. So anyway, check out the show notes in the description to catch up on all the Microsoft Ignite stuff if you missed it. Seth Juarez and I were hosting the best time zone or best time zone ever. And uh, we had a blast with the folks in, in Europe and, and, and EMEA. So good stuff. Next up, this actually was announced at uh, Microsoft Ignite, but I wanted to just go ahead and, and highlight this here too, because it's really cool. Azure Static Web Apps are now supporting .NET and Blazor in preview. And so, you know, uh, Azure Static Web Apps launched back at Microsoft Build in May, and it's a great way for you to host your static websites for free. It supports a lot of JavaScript frameworks, including, you know, Vue and Hugo and Jekyll. And now it also in preview is supporting Blazor and .NET. So this is really, really great. And I've got links in the show notes in the description down below on how you can get started doing this, as well as the GitHub repo that you can kind of do if you want to set up a Hello World instance. So this is great. Next up, uh, I wanted to talk about, this was released from the .NET team. .NET 5 is just around the corner, and the .NET team released a really great blog that has kind of an update on the cadences and the cycles of releases, because this is .NET 5 is going to be the merging of .NET Core and .NET. It's a really, really big deal. We've been talking about it for months, but what's great about this blog post is that it outlines for people who might not be familiar or might not remember all the differences in different um, .NET releases and how long things are supported. So check that out in the show notes and the description because .NET 5 is right around the corner and we couldn't be more excited. Next up, this is a big deal. This is GitHub uh, Codespaces got some big updates. I announced last episode that um, over uh, that, that Visual Studio Code Spaces and GitHub Code Spaces are consolidating. And what's happening, and we announced this at Ignite, is there's a bunch of, of, of new support coming for GitHub Code Spaces for C++ developers, for .NET developers, and in the preview version of Visual Studio 2019, I think it's a 16.8 preview 3, there is an update for where you can actually connect directly to a code space from Visual Studio 2019. So that's going to be coming, you know, the main release really, really soon. There's a ton of updates around Codespaces and Visual Studio, and I've got links in the show notes down below for all of that. 
Next up, I also wanted to mention our, our pals at GitHub. They released uh, version 1.0 of the GitHub CLI. And when this was in preview, I don't remember how many months ago it is because quarantine, this uh, was this is a great uh, a deal. Now it's gotten even better. So the GitHub CLI will basically let you do everything end to end from GitHub from the command line. Uh, so you can go from you know issues to release all on the command line. You can script almost any GitHub action. You can set aliases. You can basically do it all from the command line. So this is really great for people like me, I'm not gonna lie, who we love a good GUI, love it, but sometimes it's just easier to use the command line. And also sometimes for your automation tools, it's easier to use the command line. This also connects with, with GitHub Enterprise Server. It, you know, you can handle PRs, uh, merge issues. There's so much stuff you can do with it. It's really terrific. I've got a link in the show notes in the description for how you can install it. Um, as well as new documents for getting started. Really, really good stuff. Next up, uh, just a, a note that the Windows Terminal preview for version 1.4 is coming. It is available now, rather. And there's amazing stuff here, including the ability to do hyperlinks. That's coming soon. I'm so, so excited. This is available in the Microsoft Store as well as on GitHub. And I've got links in the show notes in the description. Windows Terminal, if you haven't been playing with it, is just one of the best things that's come out, I, I think, in years. And the progress the team, as well as our community, is making with this is just terrific. So check all that out. Uh, and, and I also wanted to add on that note, um, uh, the Windows Subsystem for Linux team released an update um, this month. Just kind of covering all the big updates that have happened around WSL2 in the last few months. And we've talked about some of those on this show before. Uh, for instance, the backporting of WSL support, WSL2 support rather, for Windows um, uh, 10 versions, 1903 and 1909, meaning that if you've got an older version of, of Windows 10, uh, for whatever reason, you can still take advantage of WSL2 goodness, which is great. Also, um, there's some details in this blog post about the state of GUI apps, Linux GUI apps coming to WSL2. It is coming soon. And so that's actually going to be a really big deal as well for people who might have a specific you know, uh, uh, GUI app. This is also really going to be great for, for, I think, CUDA developers, a lot of other people. So check out that link in the show notes in the description if you want to catch up on all the new stuff that's been announced over the past few months in Windows Subsystem for Linux land. Next up, this is also from Microsoft Ignite. This is actually going to come in October, but I wanted to share this. And yes, self-promo, that is me in that screenshot. I was able to talk with Sean Larkin, who's a program manager on the Microsoft Edge team, because Microsoft Edge is coming to Linux in October. We actually first announced this at Microsoft Build, but we got even more details at Microsoft Ignite. It will be available at uh, windowsedgeinsiders.com uh, in October um, for, for the first preview release for Linux. This is, this is going to be great. This is really aimed at both the, you know, uh, Linux as a daily driver users, as well as developers who um, use Linux, you know, in their CI/CD workflows and want to be able to use all the the browser tools and web tools of Edge, and want to have consistency across all their platforms. And so this is going to be great. You can download it um, uh, either from the command line by manually adding the repositories to your system. We'll also have .deb and .rpm um, uh, installable files as well. And the team is really, really looking to connect with people in the communities. You know especially if, if you're involved with, with certain distros, wanting to get their feedback on how they can maybe work more together and, and have some sort of relationship. So if you are interested in that, please reach out to that team and stay tuned for getting this update. I think this is awesome. And it's going to be a first class experience, um, you know, bringing all the same dev tools, all the same support over to the Linux side. And the first preview will be out in October. 
Uh, next up on Channel 9 this week, we get a lot of great content. First up was on Visual Studio Toolbox. They talk about IntelliCode team completions, which is really fantastic. So check that out. And over on uh, Behind the Code, uh, Careers Behind the Code, um, Scott Hunter talks about how he became the director of project uh, program management rather with .NET. Scott Hunter is an amazing guy. His story is fantastic. And so many of us look up to him. And it was great to hear his story about how he became him. And uh, finally, over on, on uh, tabs versus spaces, which is great show. Um, uh, Clint talks about how you can use Power Toys, which is great to customize Windows 10. There's just, I love Power Toys. If you haven't checked that out, I have a link for that in the description too. But all these shows are available on Channel 9 or on our YouTube channel. And I've got links for them all in the show notes in the description down below. And now it is time for my pick of the week. And this came um, uh, courtesy of uh, Gizmodo, who found it from Terrence Eden. And I had to share this because this is maybe like the best slash worst DIY project I've ever seen. And, and you'll understand why in a second. What Terrence did is he basically created his own DIY Walkman out of a floppy disk. Um, the audio quality is terrible, but he was able to do this because there are some compressions that show you can get like 30 minutes of music on a single floppy disk. I don't know. Use a Raspberry Pi, a USB floppy drive, and some ingenuity. And uh, I hate it, but I love it. And I just think that this is a great project. Uh, I would love to know your thoughts. What is what is either, do you have a favorite Walkman memory? Do you have any favorite DIY projects that are or bad things to do with the Raspberry Pi? Let me know in the show notes or in the comments down below. And that does it for me. Um, that uh, that's, that's it for this week. If you like this episode, give us a, a thumbs up on YouTube. Um, that really helps us out. And in the comments down below, uh, wherever you're watching, you know, let me know. Um, again, like what your favorite thing from Microsoft Ignite was, what you're most excited about in the coming months. And, and also, again, like what terrible slash awesome projects have you seen using a Raspberry Pi or are you wanting to do yourself? That does it for me. See you next time.